Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. I'm your host Mario, alongside Zach. Zach, how are you doing tonight, host. man? I'm, I'm, I'm. My energy's dwindling a little bit, really? so I'm gonna ride on yours. Yeah. Did you take the blue pill or the red pill? Uh, I think I took the red one because I see behind you, you got like eight Jack White albums, and yeah, the top shelf is blue, the bottom <laughs> shelf is red. Actually, Who, whose idea was this? Uh, whose idea was what? It's cool. It's aesthetically pleasing. Like. It's oh really the, cool. uh, yeah. the 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 wood blue and the red. Me? No, not that. I know about that. Oh him, I think I'm sure it was it was him to some degree. Yeah, he's been um, he colors things so that it's thematic and you understand the time period that it was from. So the the white stripes is all red and all of his uh, solo career stuff is basically all blue. Hey, well you know who uh what show Jack White loves? The Peaky Blinders. I think so. I think so. Let me go verify that real quick. Jack White. White loves Peaky Blinders. He freaking loves Peaky Blinders. Yeah, he absolutely loves... Yeah, he's a Peaky Blinder. He's a freaking Peaky Blinder. That's what Jack White is. But that's not the point (laughs) of this episode. We're getting into season two, episode two. We're on the aftermath of Tommy getting his ass beat by a bunch of Italians? Uh, Yeah, Sabini's are Italians. I was going to use Alfie's word, but uh, I don't want to get... I don't want to get like... uh, Band, yeah, or bu- shot shit, yeah, band, or you know, not, my name is Mario. I might as well be Italian. There's got to be some of it somewhere in there, but it's the way. There's a lot of slurs being thrown around in this episode. Alfie, oh, there is. Sabini, but it's great because it's like it's equal hatred back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then the gypsies are just like the equal partial middle. Like they don't care. They're just Tommy's <laughs> in his own league. Strong Nucky Thompson vibes from Tommy this episode, especially with the whole like revamped, renovated garrison. Mm-hmm. the garrison i don't know when people are listening to this or not or what order we're listening to but the garrison has a you know it has a lot of different looks you know it does uh i mean it has been blown up so that that's probably part of the reason why it has some other looks but it, it does progress throughout uh how do you throughout the show how do you like the whole um my bad i had my speakers up so hopefully it doesn't mess with the uh audio i just lowered them now um how do you like the whole golden great gatsby look of the garrison it was interesting i loved it i'm gonna be honest i loved it i i mean i i kind of like the grittier look uh myself it reminds me of invasive a little bit but mm. it's a little gaudy well 
to kind of sum up the episode, we have uh, we left off last episode with Tommy biting off more than he could chew. He gets beat up by Sabini's men. Ada gets surrounded by Sabini's men, which did not look good while we were no. ending that. Uh, and we open the episode seeing Tommy in the hospital recovering. You know, he's there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode. He's in the hospital. He discharges himself because it's kind of like Godfather 1 style. Mm-hmm. Vito Corleone is is in the hospital bed and and he's a sitting he's a sitting duck, you know, and so yeah. Michael discharges him early, uh, or this doesn't discharge, but changes rooms as he finds out there's an assassination plot going on. And you have Tommy meeting the iconic Alfie Solomons for the first time on screen. Yeah, which when I first watched this show many years ago, I was so shocked that Tom, uh, that. Uh, uh, Tom Hardy was in the show because up back then it wasn't normal to see big name actors just dropping into a television show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I Tom Hardy was already an established film actor at this point. And um, when I saw that, I was like, "This show just keeps on getting better <laughs> and better." And to be honest, I mean, we've watched the whole series. We're, we're recording this out of order. The best lines that Alfie ever says are pretty much in this episode. Like some of the yeah. best lines he ever says. I, I some always of the ones that stick with. You. Oh yeah, I'm always saying the we bake the, the brown, brown bread, bread and the white bread. Yeah, yeah. that's great. It's biblical, mate. Um, <laughs> so good, so good. We get a PTSD episode from Arthur. Where you get a really yeah, it's a really yeah, intense one. Intense, and uh, you get Campbell being discriminated against. <laughs> again for his by churchill though yeah but you know what it's like um one of the wisest strategic moves that tommy's ever pulled off is what he does with churchill in this episode and yeah. uh and you got like a badass moment with tommy with he receiving a letter with grace and from grace and we see that and we get the introduction to another very important character in in michael gray very Henry, very important I mean. no it's michael <laughs> but it is henry i felt so bad for that woman but uh oh, overall impressions of this episode i found it interesting kind of the the themes going through you got tommy investing in a lot of real estate mm-hmm. uh it's it's the comeuppance that's going on here it's the aftermath of the billy kimber assassination as yeah. alfie talks about and uh as in my you know 27th rewatch of this season it's interesting to see how the you know that you watch this the first time you don't realize that billy kimber's assassination or death because you know it's not like tommy assassinated him because he wanted to yeah um, he was there to kill tommy and his men but it's interesting to see how that effect affected alfie's uh, business and it almost essentially i think it created a power vacuum in the mm-hmm. on the under in the underground of uh of british crime right because you have uh yeah. Alfie, who's dealing with Sabini, who's running his men off the off the courses, and mm-hmm. he he's shutting down businesses that that are accepting his rum. And then you have the fact that Alfie's bringing up the fact that Tommy's untrustworthy. He just betrayed his former business partner. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're always watching it from the perspective of Tommy and his ambitions and his rise. But his. Alfie's eccentricness just kind of makes sense in this episode as he susses out Tommy in a desperate position. It does. Right? Yeah. Uh, you also have Tommy who is playing family savior in a sense. 
where you have three things going on. He's trying to bring Ada and protect her, right? Mm-hmm. And he protects her and he kind of like makes amends with her by getting her a house. The best house given to anybody in all of Peaky Blinders. Absolutely. Which we, we will discuss the real estate value of that home t- later today because we know what it looks like in future episodes. And Polly through another purchase of a home and the, I guess, the info on her on her children. Yeah, her children. And Arthur through some tough love, a little bit of cocaine, and the reopening of the garrison. Some Tokyo. Some Tokyo. I kind of like the, the name Tokyo. Is that yeah. is that historically accurate? Is cocaine it originating is, from Tokyo? It is a slang. No, it is slang from like two words um, that kind of, I think one of them had to do with nose and the other one was something like white, but I, I can't remember. Yeah. It is, it is some slang term for cocaine, basically. Okay. Well, you know, we're like number one fan club of, of Cocaine Arthur, so we need Cocaine Arthur t-shirts. We've been saying this for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Let's get into the episode recap. We're going to play this back right now. It is Cockney rhyming slang. Cocaine, Coke, Toke, Tokyo. Interesting. Uh-huh. What is yo? I don't know. It's not Tokyo. That. Tokyo. So nothing to do with Tokyo, Japan. I don't think so and tokyo's in china no it's not (laughs) yo you really don't have energy today (laughs) i know i don't it's an all-timer for you it is in japan why did that that's crazy why did i think it was china i don't know that's the greatest thing that's ever happened on this show though it's it's only the largest city in japan yeah really (laughs) It's funny though, because uh, my my cousins are from Japan. I think they're actually from like right outside of Tokyo. You must, so you, I don't I don't know why. All these years you didn't talk to them because he thought that they were part of the season. <laughs> I thought they were in China. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what? At the start of this episode, when you get a lot of Campbell, mm-hmm. and at this point, I was a little confused, even on the, my rewatch of what the play is here in their, I guess their enlisting of Tommy, right? And it seems to me that it has, I think, something to do with the IRA and assassinating somebody, Mm -hmm. as we find out later from Churchill. I think up until this point, we didn't know that it was an assassination, did we? Does he mention that in the hospital setting? Because I was kind of in and out in that scene. I I don't... I think he mentioned that it was an assassination. It was just kind of like a, now now you're filling this role. And it was really undefined. It was all very vague from what I remember. Do we have a name for this cop who's become corrupt from season one to two? Do, we had a name I, and I, I'm forgetting it off the top of my head. But this is the cop that was kind of like the one honorable cop in the pen last season. And it seems from one one to the next, as we saw in the last episode with the garrison blowing up and Tommy just hands him like some money in the streets, like literally just say, hey, F you, I own you mm-hmm. and just going to publicly hand you some some bills here, right? Um, yeah. It's, that was interesting to me, you know, that he's, there was something that happened there that he went corrupt from season one to two. I guess everyone has their price, right? Mm-hmm. Now, so the the name of the cop... I have it somewhere in here. No wonder. 
<laughs> like, all right. So just a little disclaimer here. I'm I'm playing back this episode this entire time because we the way we do these recordings is we record independently and then we record this is episode one. Okay. Oh, shit, I am on a roll. Uh the way we do it is we record independently and we have a recording and we edit it and then we also have a backup on Google Meet that we're using for now where we play the episode in the third screen and the mm-hmm. whole time the episode's playing right now and I'm like, damn, my notes are really bad. I don't have anything on this right now because it's a completely different scene from the next episode and I'm like, was I really eating this much crap? <laughs> Zach just texted me like discreetly. He's like, hey, you're playing the wrong episode. At least I wasn't talking about what was going on on screen because yeah, I, I wasn't, I I was wasn't like, faking it. I was running through my notes. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, because I was like, um, I could have swore we, we start this episode with Tommy Bloody and we get to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. it is It is about to, to get raped yeah. or something. Well, here. she's saved by Arthur, right? Or somebody no, who looks like Arthur. No, she's saved by the Peaky Blinders. Ah, she's saved by the he pirate looking like, guy. Yeah, I don't know if that was him. It was really, really blurry. Yeah. But uh, back to the question that you were asking. Yeah, the name of the cop or whatever he is, an officer. His name is Mr. Moss. Moss, of course. How can we forget that? It's like, it's pretty memorable, Moss. It is, yeah. except I never remembered it either. I had yeah. to turn the uh, closed captions on to, to see what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, Campbell visiting Tommy in this in this hospital scene. And does he tell him about the assassination attempt and what they're hiring to do on behalf of the crown here? No, no, they don't. I got to say, I like the decor of this hospital. Uh, you know, not that I want to personally visit it, but it's it's not too bad. For a hospital mm-hmm. in the 1920s? I mean, it's it's better than some of the places we've seen Tommy. I guess Tommy's also at this point on the way up, as he tells Polly later in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not in the, like, the shanties of, of hospitals, of you know what I mean? Yeah. Campbell completely owns the cane usage here. He was, the best thing that ever happened to him is that he was shot. That's why he has the cane, right? He was shot by Grace on, yeah. the, on the... Yeah, he was shot by Grace, and that's that's why he has the cane. But he also... Think about it. He, he's a much stronger character in... Uh, season two? In this season, yeah. Well, it's because I think he's fully embraced his dark side as he has like this wolf yeah. on the top yeah. of his cane. Gra- Gra- Grace killed the uh, the good side that he... The, the remaining good side that he had on him in the last season. It's interesting to me how much Grace still plays on his mind because he has this disgust with Tommy that is rooted in the fact of Grace falling in love with him, right? Mm-hmm. But we see the despicable side of Campbell as well here where he has no pity for Tommy as he's been beaten to hell yeah. and jabs his cane into his chest. Like, he has no sympathy for this man. He even presses into the wound in his on his body. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's almost on his and then he goes and chokes, he, which is even. Worse. He's not above like, kicking a man while he's down. That's for sure. Well, he does a little bit more than kick a man while he's down. He uh, shoves his cane at him, chokes him, <laughs> pokes his wounds, and sets him up to be a scapegoat for some other murder. Solid point, because clearly <laughs> he is trying to both advance the ranks of the you know under Churchill, mm-hmm. while at the same time incriminating Tommy as much as possible. This is not like, hey, buddy, let's put things behind us. 
I need you to do me a favor. This is like, hey, he I need him to go down. You have no choice but to do me this favor, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wreck you when you're done. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, upon rewatch, it, it was it kind of dawned on me why Tommy discharged himself early from the hospital, and he, I, I don't remember him completely. I thought it was more about getting business done and not being able to stay in one place, but he's more concerned for his safety as well. Yeah. I mean, he has to conduct business and he's old school at the same time. Like, what does he do? He gets on a boat with Curly and just goes in the river until he's healed. God knows how long he's in that river because when he comes out of the cabin, he looks pretty good, you know? Well, uh, the the trip um, on the January... uh, Was it like four days? To London was four days. Four days. Damn, he, yeah. he heals really fast. I mean, he's still pretty beat up later on. And I mean, he could have, I guess he could have technically stayed on the boat for, for a little while longer, yeah. but who knows? I, and he is getting drugs for a horse, right? Yeah. It, it was interesting to me to see, you know, Tommy never eats in this show ever. <laughs> and he almost ate. There is a scene where Curly's like, I could throw something on the, on the pan for you. And he's like, are you hungry, Tom? And he's like, Curly? And there's a pause. It's almost like, hey, the audience is waiting to see if I eat a damn thing. Uh-huh. I actually am hungry, Curly. I'm like, my guy, but he doesn't. <laughs> I'm hungry, but I can't eat. Refuses to eat anything on camera. No budget for food on this show at all. At all. Apparently not. I guess they, they starve the cast or something. Yeah. Well, Tommy's on his way to Camden Town. It's not for no reason. And he's, at this point, he is going against both Campbell and Sabini. And he has a little bit of a rift with the IRA too. Mm-hmm. Well, so. he did just. Uh, he also just killed uh, Duggan, so he's got to deal with that. Yep. yep. And the body being uh, unburied, mm-hmm. as we know. Yep. But we see him in a vulnerable place, physically beaten and strategically beaten right now, mm-hmm. where he should be dead at this point if it wasn't for Campbell who saved him. Which is interesting to me that Campbell saved him in the first place it's almost like well, it's not good enough for you to for you to die at the hands of someone else like i'm gonna be the one who drives you into yeah, the ground he, he he's got to be the one that send them, sends him to the grave right? for sure and again campbell didn't save tommy he just prevented him from dying uh, i mean you say what you want but uh that's a that's a save <laughs> in my book pal that's a save in my book uh, well you have the epic intro of Alfie Solomons with my favorite oh, shot, just this third-person tracking as he lumbers down this illegal rum bootlegging operation of his. <laughs> and uh, he, just, he always starts it off with just such a kick. Let him down. He's a little one. He's a little thing. Mm-hmm. He's, it's just a... When you watch this episode, I think it's immediately evident that you are being introduced to the most... Um, iconic side character in the show it, like from the first scene yeah he's unforgettable yeah that, that is for sure and they're and they're so young they're so fresh and so young oh my gosh this, i uh, know you know uh you know they they I, have I a a long uh what's the word i'm looking for partnership on screen like they have been yeah, in a ton deal. of how many films have they been in together a lot. They were. In, I mean, they were in. They Inception. were in Batman. And yeah, they were in. Bat. They were in Batman. They were in Inception. Dunkirk. I just watched Dunkirk last week for the first time. That yeah, for the first time. Ooh. Yeah, it was. It was good. Yeah. Um. I think there's one more Nolan one too. 
They'll probably be an Oppenheimer together that's coming out next year. That would be interesting. Yeah. Have you looked it up? I haven't looked it up, but I would be surprised if Tom Hardy doesn't have like a little cameo or something. Now, let's get to the reason for Tommy and Alfie's meeting. Alfie actually reached out to Tommy first, and he's dealing with uh, an issue where nobody trusts his protection anymore, while Tommy is dealing with an issue that everybody wants to kill him. So they both need a mutual partnership here. But Alfie is hesitant. Is that is that a sufficient word to use here, considering Tommy just blasted his former business partner in the face? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty good word to use. I'd be a little hesitant too. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be poking and prodding and trying trying to see why uh, why you shot your last partner. I mean, there wasn't any camera footage to show that Kimber shot first, right? So, no, but there was like twenty men. That's true. It's true. Or more surprisingly you know i mean there's a power vacuum i guess sabini was he was a bigger player than kimber anyways right but kimber probably kept the racetracks in order at least for alfie which we're seeing here Mm -hmm. uh they allude to it as much right yeah i like uh i like alfie pulling the gun on tommy he's got his little his nose starts bleeding he gets a little pissed off let me just he just throws his little napkin at him. Which is interesting to me because he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And you know if you're like a hardline Jew, if you look at the Old Testament, you'll have essentially like there's no mixing of, of Gentiles and, and Jews. You know, mm-hmm. like so much so like where like if you were to like brush shoulders with someone who was not uh, like, all right, so you know like the whole tabernacle and, you know, you have to – there was a high priest and you make sacrifices and right. You have to stay clean. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're going to go do those sacrifices, you're, you're pretty much doing so on behalf of, of the people. Right. Mm-hmm. But you were not to be in contact with what was deemed unclean. So it's interesting that when he throws the towel to him to wipe his nose, it's like, you're, you're wiping the nose of a, a Gentile's not the word I'm using. What, what are they? Samaritan. It would be uh let's find out the real word if you can if you can look it up but uh just in the background but anyways the point is is that alfie already had made the deal in his head that's the kind of the point i'm saying he's mixing he's mixing business with someone who's an outsider you know yeah now to the point i was making at the beginning of the episode tommy while dealing with business master of compartmentalization that he is is also trying to fix up his family a bit tommy's always a mess when his family's a mess Mm -hmm. and you got ada who was pretty much i think it's safe to say that she was going to be raped by sabini's men at the very least beaten but the way it was going it looked like she was going to be raped and i mean that's not going to sit well with a brother right so no uh tommy buys her a house four stories eight bedrooms Four stories and I, eight I wish bedrooms. I had a, had a house like that. In London. I mean, I'm just going to spoil it because we see like in the next episode. Ada's house is beautiful. Like if I could choose between her and Polly's house, Polly's house looks depressing to me. It kind of looks like a dump in right? this one. The way it's shot. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's still way it better. It doesn't look like a dump, but, but it looks dusty. Ada's. It looks dusty and gothic. Mm-hmm. Like very dark and like there's it just feels like there's like spooky stuff going on in her house. Yeah. Polly kind of looks a little gothic to me when she gets uh, dressed. Yeah, but she was way, she so. was depressed in this episode, which it made me yeah. miss it made me miss Helen so much. It, just the the impact yeah. that she has on on the show, and 
Yeah, rest her soul. But it was just like, it's always great because this is one of my favorite episodes with her, especially in the scene mm-hmm. where they're giving her the home and it feels like four sons rewarding, yeah. giving their mother who took care of them her whole life, like rewarding her on the way up. You know, it's just, yeah. it's it's one of the most heartfelt scenes in Peaky Blinders, if you had to ask my opinion on it. Now, get a strong scene from Sabine here. Dare say one of the strongest. He, he makes an impression in this scene. I always remember, like like this scene is what I always remember when I think of Sabini. Is it's the way he talks. Yeah, <laughs> the way you fucking. Uh, <laughs> it just it kills me all the time. Yeah, he he's like a rabid dog. Like when he gets a bone, he doesn't let it go. No, and he's now is he being kind of like Stalin esque here? Where when you're a dictator and you have that paranoia of who you don't know who to trust. Is that what's going on with him here? Or does he actually have a point in, uh, is he onto the cop here that the cop has been sat down by one of his rivals? I don't know. Do you, do you, was the cop? I don't know. They never really confirm it. At least not that I can remember, but he does enlist his, his own soldier to go and kill Tommy. I think he's just playing into being a loose cannon and, mm-hmm. you know, being you know, like, he, he doesn't like the cops, but he pays the cops to do a job. And so the moment they don't do the job, you're not going to act too kindly. Is Polly in a depression because of what Esme said to her? Uh, in the previous episode, in the previous episode, she's Esme says she's not too depressed right now. Esme told her that the lady that she saw was a liar. So, yes. Polly right now, I don't think she's really depressed yet in this episode. Well, it's her birthday, right? And she gets it, up yeah, and she looks birthday. and she looks depressed. And it's almost like the sense is, is it's weird because you get this feeling with her that she's kind of unsure of herself. Like there's not much hope of what she's mm-hmm. living for. But Tommy, on advice from his accountant, continues to buy up real estate with cash. Accountant. I wish I had an accountant like that. Well, actually, yeah. I wish the market was such that I could buy a house with cash. <laughs> that would be great, too. <laughs> My accountant's great. It's it's more the market that sucks. Uh-huh. Uh, will we ever be able to buy a house with cash? I don't think so, man. I think so. I think so. There's a... Now, when, when they're should all you walking into this house here, Arthur and his little, Good morning. Yeah. Reminds me of, of Red Dead Redemption every single time I walk, I watch this. With Arthur and Morgan? Yeah. So the, the way Warner. he yells it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. Now, Polly's got a hell of a house here too. I, I absolutely just love this scene where it's not just the house because it's not the house that's going to fulfill her. She says, what am I going to do with all these rooms? And to, mm-hmm. to her question, Tommy tells her for the first time that, you know, he's looking into what's, what was the fate of her children, you know, cause Polly's mm-hmm. story, she had, a daughter and a son that were taken away from her from somebody who was jealous or just angry with her accused her of i think stealing bed sheets from a hotel it was something yeah, very I'm pretty sure it was bed sheets and what they found was that she was making gin it was like a little i think they found that she there was something that she was making gin and so they took custody of her children i could be making up the gin part but i could have swore it was something with she absinthe or gin or something and i want to say she was taking something as well maybe maybe but Either way, they took her kids from her. And she, I remember this conversation because she has it with Ada in season one 
where he says, we're strong. And to, Tommy says, uh, you know, you have essentially when you're strong that they, they can't do that kind of stuff to you. Right. Mm-hmm. She says, you're able to keep your baby because Tommy uh, won't let them take your baby. Remember, she says that line to Ada. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a kin. There's like a kinship between her and Tommy. It's. In my opinion, like one of the best dynamics in the show is her, her and Tommy and Tommy and Arthur is the those two di- those two dynamics well, they're like the uh the core and they're, Absolutely. they're the two i would say they're the two closest brothers and then yeah. she's like their mother yeah. at this point because we, we we don't we haven't seen her mm-hmm. on to ada's home who although she really wants to be mad at her family when she sees this house <laughs> it's game over it's all gone she's out the window, back the, in the fold the annoyance is right out the door yep. <laughs> and Carl, this is a nice, little Carl Marx nice is having house. a blast, you know. He's just running around yeah. already. His uh, his communist leanings yet have uh, they're very they're very quiet here. Yeah, they've yet to develop at this point. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't fallen into uh, into the footsteps of the man he's named after. Well, I mean, if it wouldn't be a problem, right? Because if he was in power, he would just seize the house for the government, right? So then he would totally. still get to, I mean, it's not like communists don't like to live rich. It's just like a small amount of them get to live rich. <laughs> the rest of them have to have to live in, in squalor. Uh, all right. Tommy's Game of Thrones chess move to Churchill. He sees Lizzie, gives a great line for any business owner out there. Lizzie's like, there's a lot going out. There's a lot coming in, but there's a lot going on. And he says, as long as there's more coming in than there is going out, then we're okay. Which is <laughs> which is a great line for, you know, you own a business and you pay a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But as long as you got enough, if you're in a growth phase like Tommy is here, as long as there's more coming in, we'll be all right. You're good. We'll be all right. Now, he is going over Campbell's head here, right? Because he has one card that Campbell cannot play. And he yeah. knows the one thing that Churchill is, is... He's loyal to his country. He's patriotic to his country. He's patriotic. Mm-hmm. Does that apply to other countries as well? Not just I America? Be, I believe so, yeah. Right. Well, he's a, he's a Brit through and through and fought for his country. You know, he resigned from his ministerial position to go fight on the front lines with the men, as, he, as Tommy puts in that letter so succinctly, with the men. As Campbell sits at the, stands at the center of the room around the men, who all mm-hmm. went to fight in the war while he stayed back. Um, this is not going to go away for Campbell, this uh, this bullet that Tommy has on him. And Tommy, yeah. essentially his play here is he wants an export license in exchange for the task that they're going to provide to him to do. Mm-hmm. Churchill has no issue with it. He actually, I think at this point, this is the first crack in Campbell's armor in the eyes of Churchill. Maybe there was one there before. But I don't think he knew just how distinguished Tommy was. And just, I think now the realization that Tommy could be very useful to him in the in the tunneling, right? Because Tommy is like, yeah. a, the metaphor is there with the tunneling. He's still doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. I You know, it was in this shot that I really feel like Winston Churchill is taking a liking to Tommy. Yeah. And less of a liking to Campbell. Yeah. Especially he wasn't in the war, he didn't fight. Especially as Campbell describes him in the way that he does. Because it's like with this lack of like you don't understand what this man did. 
He said he dug tunnels at our feet to silence the guns at our heads. Like that's mm-hmm. a great line. It's yeah. just everyone, if you notice in the in the scene, kind of distances themselves away from Campbell. They start to back up. Like they're mm-hmm. they're further away in the in the shot. At least in the beginning, it feels like everyone's kind of closer to him. And then by the end, he's lost the room completely. Yeah, he's he's on his own. He's he's definitely I mean again, as Churchill said, he he what you don't have a medal. So not too bad for Tommy. You know, you start the episode with no allies and and beaten to a pulp in a hospital bed with a guy choking you out. And you end up with one of the biggest allies in Camden Town. Your family slowly being pieced back together. And an ally potentially in Churchill. At least he's planted the seeds for this partnership. Yeah. Or alliance. He he really does recover very fast. I, I kind of forgot how quickly it was. I got in a car accident in 2018, and I looked like the <laughs> I looked like the Phantom of the Opera for about like I think f- three four days. So I mean, you do recover fast if you're young. As you get older, is when you start to not recover as fast. Yeah, I looked like the Elephant Man for like the first night. I, was scared. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to scare my grandmother <laughs> when I got back from the hospital. Uh, she, yeah, I literally. She, she's like. Who's there? And I was like, go back to bed. I was literally like the Phantom of the Opera. I was like hiding in the shadows <laughs> and shit. Now, well, we finally get the appearance of, uh, of who? Some. I was getting. Oh there. my bad, man. I was trying to like uh, hype it up because he's an important character. Uh, he is an important character. His name is Henry. <laughs> <clears throat> Tommy. Uh, Tommy goes and pays a visit to some little little like farmhouse where he he starts talking to some some lady that's out there and basically ends up telling her that the uh boy she has is michael gray and his mother would like to talk to him which and which she's not having any of it which michael gray yeah. is the son of polly gray yeah and i don't i'm assuming at this point he already has suspicions that he's not this woman's child but he looks know. off at Tommy as he's walking away more with a curiosity rather than a, a dis- disgust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first appearance of a key character to specifically Polly and the family. Now, yeah. Arthur has a struggle with PTSD in a more violent way than Tommy does. And it comes out, it's becoming more of an issue. At this point, is it in episode one of the season that Tommy confronts Arthur about the medicine that Polly gave him? In this season? Yeah, in this season. Yeah. Okay, now, it could be that that is making it worse for him. and Because he, he ends up killing a man in the boxing ring in one of his yeah, PTSD. A boy. A boy. A boy. So, a young, yeah. a young guy. Because uh, he didn't look like a boy, maybe like a late teen or something like that, that he was boxing. And he beat him to a pulp because he just was got into a fit of just post traumatic stress, and it was mm-hmm. to the point he where he it. where the, he you know they were calling his name and he didn't answer to it, right? Yeah. Uh, Finn is there fighting Isaiah. I believe that's Isaiah. I'm pretty sure it is. And they witness the whole thing where Tommy's trying to get the story out of both of these young kids, and tells them to stay you know stick to one story because if there's one thing Tommy can't have is. Arthur getting put away in prison and mm-hmm. with the amount of witnesses that were there it's a clean up job for Tommy to try to save his brother from from any repercussions from this right yeah 
No. Isaiah was also like, yeah, I'm not I'm not family. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. On, on to the third cleanup situation Tommy has. He meets with Arthur, who is trying to confide in Tommy and kind of relate to him what he's going through and what his mind feels like with mm-hmm. all of the the horrors of war that he witnessed and just how the PTSD kind of weighs on him, right? Yeah. But Tommy, I think Tommy responds in the only way that he can. I don't think that he's being an asshole here. He he, he experienced the same things that Arthur did in World War One. Mm-hmm. But if you acknowledge it too much, I feel like you sink back into that hole. And it's better to just give tough love when needed to push forward. You know what I mean? Like, what's it going to solve yeah. here for them to both cry about it? Nothing. It, Nothing at all. You got to you gotta push through and get over it. That, that's Tommy's perspective on this. And look, it, I think it's, it's a little more nuanced than that, obviously. But for this situation that they're dealing with and for, I think just the, in general, he's like, look, you got to shut the door. And he's lying to his brother. He says he shut the door on it. Maybe mm-hmm. what Tommy could have done has been a little more transparent and saying, like, look, I'm dealing with it, too. You know, but mm-hmm. you got to shut the door. Yeah, because I mean, he, he, we we know he still has these problems as well. He just deals with it in his own. Well, way. I mean, he, he smokes opium. It's a rage. Yeah, he yeah, smokes he, opium he smokes in his opium room in season one. Like, I mean, he's not over it either. He hears tunnelers no. in his wall, but it's he can't sleep. It's more like somebody who can't open up and can't show mm-hmm. a weakness. And Arthur's here thinking that he's alone, which is kind of effed up on Tommy's part. Yeah. Now. You can tell Tommy relates to him because he comes back and throws out the booze or the drugs mm-hmm. and, and he takes the bullets out of the gun. So he's almost, he knows what happens in that state of mind, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the first time that, that Arthur's been in this place, right? Like in the last season, he's he trying to hang himself. It's true. It's true. This How could I forget that? Where, you know, he, he, he's, ah, that is okay. Then it, has, then it has more to do with that. He does atten- yeah. essentially kill himself, right? and uh just about and he's pretty much reborn in a sense that's one of the best scenes in all it of the really with the music scene. the way unfortunately it's... it didn't take <laughs> and unfortunately it didn't take i don't know i don't know what the rebirth took for him he's still he's still obviously having those thoughts otherwise it's true it's we're true. not gonna we're not gonna have the scene that we just had yeah well you know it's he's still coming to grips of who he is in the family too you know what i mean it's like he's mm-hmm. not the leader anymore He's not his brother, and he's dealing with this. I mean, he just killed an innocent kid. So it's, less, it's not just yeah. like, PTSD is normal. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. that. It's he just he's literally just past killing an innocent kid. He has to deal with that in his conscious now too. You know, it's so true. it's it's not like an easy thing to deal with. I would imagine, but yeah. On to Campbell and Moss, the Moss that we Can't. continue to forget his name. What's up? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Can we talk about the uh, the sandwich that? Inspector Campbell likes. It is a sandwich made with tongue, pickles, <laughs> and one strip of mustard down the middle. Isn't that like your typical That's order disgusting. at the? I don't know. <laughs> it's just I more. I think I could stomach that. It makes you more make you dislike him more. I know. It's just disgusting. Tongue, like mustard, how, uh, and what else? Pickles. The pickles and mustard, I'm okay with. It's the tongue. Yeah, but it's the tongue that's in there. That's just like why. Have you why? have you ever eaten tongue? I have not beef. Had I'm assuming tongue, beef tongue. I've not had. Yeah, and I, I haven't had tripe either. I haven't had tripe either. I'm okay with that too. 
I could go my whole life without either of them and be fine. I know. Like, not be like I missed anything. Like, there's. I'm sure others in my family have had tripe. But like, I, I can't do it. Uh, liver as well is just disgusting. That one oh. I've had, it's disgusting. Oh, I had liver. All right, so I got home once and there was some, like, it looked like stir fry. Uh-huh. And it was liver and onions. <laughs> and I bit into it, man, and it was, like, mushy. And I was like, yeah i know <laughs> I, like, what I had the same react tastes like pure iron i'm like oh you know my mother loves it i just it makes me nauseous my mom used to threaten me as a kid not for real but she used to be like it was like a joke a running joke I was like, what are you making for dinner she said liver and onions liver and onions i never had liver and onions in my life she never made me or forced me to eat liver and onions but <laughs> for years though you know i'm, I'm spanish and we have this thing called bistea de palomia which is like a really thin steak you know, uh-huh. for years I thought that was liver and onions. I, you know, I was like a little young kid. I was like, I guess I thought that was it because she said liver <laughs> and onions. And usually, what you make that steak is just with onions and some, you know, some different uh, um, seasonings and stuff like that. But, yeah. uh, anyways, on to the conversation with Campbell and Moss, and not the tongue sandwich. Um, <laughs> Campbell calls out Moss of of having been corrupted by the uh, Shelby's, but he wants to use him as a double agent. Mm-hmm. brilliant move by campbell brilliant move i think that's like a yeah. salvaging move for him in some sense yeah with Tommy. i mean he he wants to bring him back to the side of the angels right yeah although I, it's kind of hard to think that campbell still thinks he's somehow good he's now as low as tommy in my opinion Campbell does the not think he's he good does. anymore. We've established that he has embraced the dark side. He has embraced the dark side, but he speaks to himself as if, like, he, he tells Moss, he's like, you know, for, first of all, he shuns Moss. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it's time to bring you back to the side of the angels, oh. which is the side that Campbell is on, right? So you, you still talk about yourself as, a, as he if is, you're yes. this holier than thou well, he, person. He's still self-righteous. Yeah. He just has embraced his dark side in his self-righteousness yeah no on to a scene of Polly and tommy tommy has gone through the files of what were the fates of Polly's children he found out that her daughter died of spring fever in australia after having not settled in london and very much seems to have had gypsy in her blood you know as they talk about in the show of not being able to settle you got to keep moving uh Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing and uh, she finds out that her son is alive and staying with a woman who will definitely not let her have custody, that it'll have to be Michael's decision when he is of age. And yeah. uh, Tommy sticks to it pretty vehemently to not tell Polly the location of Michael, uh, I guess trying to stop a powder keg. And I think the reason he's doing it is because if Polly does something dumb or rash or hot-headed, it's more mm-hmm. likely that she's ruins all chances of having custody of michael or having michael in her life yeah so she pulls a gun on him and everything i always kind of find it ridiculous when they pull guns like if you're you're not gonna shoot tommy if if you're gonna pull it use it like come on you know you're not gonna shoot tommy what are we doing here you imagine if she shoots tommy like you're in the head in the scene it's just (laughs) season season two episode two (laughs) and that is the end cut to the song uh well favorite scene of the episode Finn goes on a mission from Tommy. I'm convinced. I don't think Finn, if to, if Tommy's taking away his drink at the bar, I have a feeling Finn's not doing cocaine at the age of, what is Finn here, 14, 13? He does look like he's 14. Maybe he's doing coke at the age of 14. 
me and the boys. We have a good time. We get some Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> well, he gives some to Arthur, who's down in the doldrums, drinking some alcohol. And if there's anything that Arthur cannot say no to, it's it's a, it's a good time. And so I, I love the camera angle they use when he's when he's coked up and he slicks his hair back. <laughs> it's great. It's like this. You know, you see it in some sports commercials nowadays where the editing yeah. kind of stays tracked with the athlete's head. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arthur just goes to the garrison reopening and is just completely owning the bar uh, just <laughs> as the barkeep. And Tommy's living it up. For the first time in a while, Tommy's fully healed here, by the way. He's smiling. And he's way. smiling. He's having a good time. He is. I think he's having fun being the proprietor of this establishment in this scene. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's been a pretty good couple of days for Tommy. The Churchill letter. Things have been uh, moving in the right direction after getting the crap beat out of them. Right. Yeah. Things are up after episode one, at least. Mm-hmm. It's funny how much things can change. If you've never seen Boardwalk Empire, which I bring up for the second episode in a row, I think, Tommy really reminds me of Nucky Thompson here because Nucky owns a, a club. And it's just, it feels same decor. It, it is the 1920s, but in mm-hmm. New Jersey. So it's kind of the same vibe going on. I have not seen it. You gotta watch it. It's a good one, man. I looked up Nucky Thompson and the photos. Uh, yeah, it reminds me exactly of this. There's actually some uh, side by sides of of him and Tommy, which is interesting. Really, it's funny yeah. that you know he's played by Steve Buscemi, who's like the, yeah. you know the opposite of of uh, Killian Murphy. Yeah. Uh, some would say like it's interesting to see Steve Buscemi like in the lead as like this you know badass gangster you know just to imagine. I, I, him. I literally want to watch it just to, specifically to see how that plays out. It's great because he's char- he's there. charismatic. He just owns the show. He's a the way in a different way because Killian Murphy's more. It's more serious. Like Tommy's not cracking jokes. He never really says anything funny that I can think of mm-hmm. in the in all of Peaky Blinders. But Nucky has these one liners. He's he's like a soprano Tony Soprano character. In a sense, another great show that I kind of want to rewatch. I have not watched. Kinda, I haven't watched it. Kind of want to rewatch Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reopening is going great of the garrison. Tommy has brought his family back into the fold. The only one off the rails a little bit here is Polly, who is having a one night stand with a young man who clearly had no choice but to say yes yeah. to Polly. <laughs> yeah, it's not a situation I don't think you can say no in. Absolutely not. Polly Gray comes up to you, hits on you. It's, it's yes, <laughs> it's yes. Or you're gonna get a visit from some, from some men with peaked caps. Yeah, <laughs> something's gonna get yeah. cut off. Yeah. To be fair, she does offer him a good time. Like you know, the evening hasn't even begun. I was yeah. like, all right, okay, Paul, well, all right, Paul. Which Tommy's disgusted. It's like watching his mom hit on a younger man. It is. It, it kind <laughs> of feels like that too. I'm just like, no. Yeah. Well, the whole show, as you watch it, like she feels like your mom, like when you're watching yeah. the show. Yeah. And she's, she's, uh, she's the most prominent mother figure. Yeah. Here. Well, Tommy brings Ada in to try to, con- you know, control her, but maybe cheer her up or, you know. To get through to her. To get through because it's, it's not like Tommy is withholding this address because he doesn't want to connect them. We obviously see behind the scenes that he visited and told the boy about his mother, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's doing things in a way for Polly, but, you know, she doesn't see it that way. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways. Hmm. Hmm, what? 
Polly's having her one night stand with the guy. But talk about the yeah. most discreet. Gee, wow, this is pretty graphic. Come on. It is. It is a little. Uh... <laughs> uh, talk about the most discreet threesome ever. That Tommy's just like waking up oh, and he's yeah. got like two or three women in his bed. I think I counted two. Was there two or three? I thought I there was one on the like the left side of the frame too. There's one on his left side, but then there's just one at the. Is that Lizzie? Is it? I kind of don't think it, it looked is. like Lizzie to me, but then, you know, we won't say too much. But I thought it was Lizzie. I don't know. But then the I mean, other you know one's just there at the at the bottom of the bed. <laughs> it's just yeah, chilling. <laughs> just chilling. Yeah. I don't know how she's still asleep with the sun in her eyes like that. But yeah, well, it's a wild night. I'm sure the drugs and the alcohol. Well, it's, and the- it's interesting to me. Tommy still lives like in this little one bedroom flat while his family, you know, think that just shows you kind of. Yeah, it's more about the the building of the process for him. Like it's not about taking care of himself first. Mm-hmm. And you know, but also when you work that much, like you're never home, so it's like eh, I don't I don't need a massive house. Exactly. Yeah. And we have Polly with the uh, the walk of shame to her. Yeah, true. To her home here. You know, I I kind of didn't put tie two and two together. I just thought she was walking the street, but she was totally on a walk of shame. Uh huh. And it's uh, Michael Gray who's come to see her, her son. Yeah. And, she, you know, she's shocked and, you know, happy to see him. And and that's how the episode ends. It's yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> I never tied the two together. She's coming back from from the walk. That's, from, that's from screwing somebody basically his age, yeah. too, mind, mind you. Yeah. So she, she's in total shock. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I can imagine how embarrassing that must feel. <laughs> Well, it's also kind of like she feels a little feels a little corny, you know, in the sense that Tommy was not trying to stop her from reuniting with with her yeah. son, and here he is. So, you know, you acted a fool for no reason, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she she acted a fool in in many many ways here, and even even without thinking that she'll see him, she's still acting foolish enough to the point where it's like you kind of end the episode off, and it's like. Did I screw up already? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> look at the first impression I'm giving my yeah my my son that I've never met before or that I met yep. for the first time like in 20 years or however many years mm-hmm. it is. Well, that that ends episode two of season two and honestly kind of ramps up the season into a really fun place because the pieces are are in place now. Essentially, they, they're falling they're into place. Falling into place. I don't think they're quite there yet. Like we we had the introduction of a lot of characters in this. I mean, we, we developed Sabini a little bit more. Alfie finally got introduced. We had Henry or Michael Gray introduced. So, you know, we're getting there. I think in the next episode, we'll probably know where where things are really going in the season. By the end of episode three? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of get the feeling that there's a war coming, right? And it's going to be mm-hmm. Alfie and Tommy versus Sabini and... Well, just Sabini, and there's like three different enemies that he's dealing with, you know, and the sense you get is like, if they all strike at once, he's done for, but mm-hmm. if he's able to eliminate, take care of them systematically, then he can maybe get through it, right? And I think we failed to mention in the in the whole midst of the Polly uh, one night stand, Tommy is also staying, you know, on track without Grace. Grace writes, reaches out to him. Mm-hmm. He actually burns the letter without reading it. To just to show you where his mind is at. 
where he's trying to keep a one-track mind here and move on from from her. I think he yeah. doesn't want to concede to the one weakness. No, I don't think so, especially <clears throat> not when Campbell's around. He he keeps he keeps giving jabs at Campbell with uh with Grace and and everybody else is giving jabs at Campbell because he wasn't in the war. Mm-hmm. He uh he does get picked on quite a bit, a little more than I remember, but uh, it doesn't happen all the time. It he just ha- deserves it's it. almost like he acts like the tough guy around the people that he can bully. But then in his, in a bigger group with bigger bigger uh bigger dogs, he's the one getting bullied. Yeah. All right. L- well, let's get into the superlatives. Out of the whole episode here, what was the best scene? Cocaine Arthur for sure. Oh uh, yeah. No, not really. Um I'd say the giving of the house to Polly. Okay. Ah, oh, what the hell am I saying? It's it's uh it's Tommy and Alfie meeting. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so that's number one on my list. Tommy and the Alfie. Introduction of Alfie. Yeah, right? that's it for sure. My number two on this list was actually Polly meeting Henry. Really? It was interesting. <clears throat> like uh, everything leading up to it, it's kind of. It's been a long time. Uh, look, I'm not gonna slight you for that. It's a great scene. I just, I think I love the scene more of when they're giving her the house because it's she's depressed about the son that's truly her son, but she has four other sons here who have taken care of her, and she's mm-hmm. taking care of them. But it's you know, there's it's good writing. It's just like they can't. It was really good. Like they can't make her as happy as as her own child in a way, which is sad. For them, mm-hmm. who lost they they lost their mother at a young age, right? Yeah. So that's sad. Um, all right, most memorable character for me, it's Alfie. It's got to be Alfie. Has to be. Yeah. There's it's, it's the first one. He's I don't think there's competition on this one. It's got to be Alfie. No. He sh- he shines <clears throat> in this one. Now it's interesting because later in other seasons, they mentioned that the way they filmed the scenes between Killian and and Tom Hardy. They usually use one camera to get the interaction between both of them. Typically, the way mm-hmm. they do it is two cameras over shoulder. Mm-hmm. This episode, they did two cameras over shoulder for most of it, at least in the office scene. Mm-hmm. But you do get the one shot of them uh, as they're walking towards his office and they're doing the whole, make the brown bread and the white bread. Tom, mm-hmm. which one do you like? The brown bread? White is for bosses. That's great. It's uh, <laughs> it's just so good. So good. Um, brown, yeah, shit. <laughs> what other what other categories do we have today? Uh, any other moments that stood out? Mm, I mean, of course. I I think the there's the the Churchill scene with Campbell. I thought was impactful. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an impactful scene. It's the most impactful scene we get with Churchill so far. So mine here is is the cocaine Arthur. Cocaine Arthur, but I feel yeah. like that's not fair because we're we're using past history for cocaine Arthur, you know, or future history. Well, I like I like. I'm not gonna slide Arthur. it. I'm not gonna slide it. I'm gonna slide it. Yeah, it was the, it's the <clears throat> first moment though that I feel like we've really seen Arthur where he's not just kind of been down in the dumps and depressed, and and, and not just you know having a rage fit. I thought Arthur was coming into his own at the end of last season or in the first episode of this season where he had finally embraced that he was, you know, second in command to his brother. 
He, he yeah, I I got that that sense as well in the last episode. But even with that, like he still has his his really like serious bouts of depression. Oh, for sure, for sure. So yeah. All right. Well, that's a that was a good one. That was a yeah. good one. I think th- this is this is definitely one of a. I would say this is probably one of the top episodes so far in the season. Even though there's only two, I, I that's there's fair. a lot that happened in this one. I like this. That's fair. The finale of season two is is the all time greatest episode of of Peaky Blinders. Uh, it's the all time greatest. I don't give a damn what anybody says. We'll see. We'll see what the audience thinks once we get there. Yeah. Well. Well, I'm the audience too. I get to have an opinion. I have one too. I'll reveal it once we get to <laughs> episode six. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in uh, to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. Uh, Want to take this time to ask you to go ahead and subscribe to our new show, the Story Archives show, which is going to be dedicated towards, I'd say, standalone film reviews, which, man, Zach, I just watched the new Batman. Yeah. Damn good. Really? Damn I've been good. hearing from people that it's it was pretty good and I'm just like very right. good. No, like after, to the point ben where Affleck. What? Ben Affleck. I, I, it was in the last one. I didn't the like Ben Affleck. As yeah, I know. I was like after I heard about how that one went, I was just like I don't know if it's going to be good. No, man. It's fan- so. it's fantastic in my opinion. Like first and foremost, Matt Reeves took two things from me that the audience will have to find out when we review the Batman on the story archive show. Cause I think that has to be the first, the first show we do on story archives. It's just fresh in my mind. I kind of want to rewatch it already. And it's on HBO I'm, max I'm, right now. Everybody can watch it. Having Batman be the first yeah. one. I, and the whole audience can, can do a free story. trial and watch Batman too and tune in into the show. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be an interesting one to do, man. I think we I, figured it out. I think it's going to be flooded out there with mm-hmm. a lot of other Batman reviews, but we, we ask you, if you enjoyed this show, we see the subscriber base kind of growing on this show little by little. Join us over on the Story Archive show. That's where you'll be able to find out and kind of like keep up with all the news of what we got going on and the shows uh, we plan in the future. So for now, mm-hmm. here's what we got on the docket for the listeners out there. We are finishing our episodic reviews of Peaky Blinders through season four. Mm-hmm. Currently on season two. So we got to get through season four. Then we'll be up to date. When season six releases in America, we may do a couple of extra bonus ones. It's already released in the UK and who knows where else over there. Um, but we've already watched the entire series through. After that, we'll be kind of digging more into the Story Archive show and launching other episodic reviews of different TV shows. Some contenders. I just finished Severance. How far are you in Severance right now on Apple, on Apple TV? It. I finished it uh, over the weekend. How good was it? Uh, it was really, really good. <laughs> I'm excited. I want the next season, man. Severance on Apple TV, people. Oh. If you haven't heard of it, please check it out. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm also, I'm also on episode 10 right now of The Foundation. So. How good is that? Oh, man. I think that one's top Severance. I love The Foundation. So like I would, It's so good. I would be okay with doing a podcast about The Foundation. I'd probably mm. have to read the books. There's books? Oh, yeah, man. That's... Nice. um. Oh, what's the name of it? He's a famous sci-fi author. I think it's Isaac Asimov. Asimov? Yeah, Isaac Asimov. He's like the four founding father of sci-fi, mm-hmm. and he he inspired Star Wars and Dune and 
Blade wow. Runner. I was going to say, and, I kind of got some Dune vibes. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's a good reason because they it's a lot of inspiration is drawn from from that kind of source but all right enough of taking your time story archive show go subscribe follow listen share with your friends family your community do what you got to do but join us for the for the ride and tune into the next episode of the peaky pod zach i'll leave it to you now for sure well thank you for listening to season two episode two of the peaky blinders podcast by story archives you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify Podcasts, google Podcasts. you can find us on instagram at story archives you can also visit a website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com which ties us into the podcast network the midnight exchange you can visit the website there for a whole bunch of links out to another podcast and some other social media there. And if you want to send us an email, send us an email at podcast at the midnight exchange.com and let us know if you maybe have any other show suggestions. All right. That's about it. Thank you for tuning in until next time. Stay peaky. Peaky.